This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. Welcome to the program. We're going to have several guests on today's show. First off, we're going to speak with our good pal Cosmo Garvin of the Sacramento News and Review in segment two about his most provocative article on sprawl in the Sacramento area. This is not just a problem for Sacramento, it's a problem for California, for that matter, the nation, and for that matter, a lot of locations around the world. If you've listened to this program much over the years, you know that we tend to regard real estate speculators as, I don't know, between the lepers. In terms of the most miserable human beings on earth, there's like maybe incurable lepers, and number one, then real estate speculators, and then curable lepers. Actually, I have to admit, I stole that from Albert Brooks, and he was referring to disc jockeys when he said it. But we at Radio Parallax think it's far more appropriate for real estate weasels. Yeah, I might want to mention that that opinion, uh, like all those heard in this program, does not necessarily represent those of KDVS, our sponsors, or the regions of the University of California. But I would add that personally, I look around and I ask, who does you more harm in the long run, the real estate speculator or the drug dealer? And while it's true nobody wants a crack house within a few mile radius of where they live, in this correspondent's opinion, more harm is ultimately done by real estate developers particularly when they do it on borrowed money and stolen water. But lest I digress, oh, I should also mention, not only we're going to speak to Cosmo Garvin about sprawl, we'll be bringing back Michael O'Connell from the Comedians with Disabilities Act to talk about some of his upcoming gigs. And we're also going to talk about the value of a travel agent. It may surprise you to imagine that this correspondent has a pretty good opinion of travel agents and what they still can do for us in an electronic uh, booking online age. And we'll talk to a Stan Godwin to uh, maybe round out that picture a bit in our third segment. Yours truly is still planning to go to Australia and Southeast Asia to witness uh, the eclipse of the sun next November 14th. And, um, well, sometimes I just think, you know, a little help from a professional is not a bad deal. So we'll talk about that. Let us begin this program, as we like to do, with On This Date in History. The date in question today is May Third, And it was on May 3rd in 1494 that Christopher Columbus sighted the island of Jamaica on a voyage from Spain. Spanish colonists, in fact, settled the island 15 years later, but the British took it away from them in 1655. Which is why, in case you've been wondering, reggae music is not sung in Spanish. By the way, I got to say, you know, some days in history are just (laughs) chock full of (laughs) momentous events. I'd say May 3rd is not one of those days. For example, it was on May 3rd in 1921 that West Virginia became the first U.S. state to impose a sales tax. Today, of course, such taxes are almost universal among our American states. May 3rd, 1933, Mrs. Nellie Ross becomes the first female director of the U.S. Mint. Well, here's one. On May 3rd in 1989, Palestinian Liberation Organization leader Yasser Arafat stated that the PLO charter calling for the destruction of Israel has been superseded by a declaration urging peaceful coexistence of the Palestinian and Israeli states. 
So yeah, that was what, 23 years ago? Will, some, will somebody please inform some of the right-wing uh, Israeli spokesmen about this? And for a musical event on this day, we'd like to note that it was on May 3rd back in 1939 that the American singers Patty, Maxine, and Laverne Andrews, the Andrews sisters, recorded the Beer Barrel Polka for Decca Records, and it became a major hit. Roll out the barrel, we'll have a barrel of fun. Roll out the barrel, we've got the blues on the run. Sing, boom, tarero, ring out a song of good cheer. Now's the you can see why it became a major hit. It's majorly good. But as always, if you must roll out the barrel, please arrange for a designated driver. All right, our quote of the day comes from John Kenneth Galbraith, who said, Meetings are indispensable when you don't want to do anything. We have two quips of the day from rivals Jay Leno and David Letterman. Said Leno, the NFL draft is going to be this Thursday. That's a huge night for college players. That's the night, of course, they start being paid over the table. And weighing in on the campaign was David Letterman, who said Mitt Romney is going to be the Republican nominee. They've already broken out the non-alcoholic champagne. And our joke today comes from Conan O'Brien, who said, For the first time in 40 years, more Mexicans are leaving the United States than are coming to it. And it's not because of our economy. It's because they're sick and tired of explaining that Taco Bell isn't real Mexican food. Our stat of the day comes from CBS News Poll, which notes that 3% of Americans have a favorable view of former Senator John Edwards. And no, we don't know how it could possibly be that high either. I do note that I think I was ahead of the curve on this one. Had I been given a choice between George W. Bush and John Edwards, well, I wouldn't have voted. But uh, I've always had a strong feeling this guy was a weasel beyond redemption. And, you know, with a gun to my head, I probably would have voted for W. Just to follow this soap opera for just, just a little bit, you may have noted that uh, at, his, at his trial, is currently his trial for misuse of campaign funds to cover up his illicit affair with uh, New Age <laughs> photographer Riel Hunter, a former aide testified that Edwards' first reaction to learning that his mistress might be pregnant was to downplay the odds that he was the father. He said she was a crazy slut and there was a one in three chance that the child was his. Yes, that's a direct quote. <laughs> Mr. Millen points out, we, we've missed our chance to use that as the quote of the day. I don't know if it's true, as Groucho Marx once contended that, you know, people are, you know, you're never quite completely sad to see the misfortune of others. I would note that yours truly is thoroughly enjoying the misfortune of Mr. John Edwards. And the fact that, you know, just four short years ago, it got down to Edwards, Hillary Clinton, and Barack Obama as the Democratic uh, strong candidates for the presidency. Man. At any rate, let's, uh, let's jump into the good, the bad, and the ugly. According to The Week magazine, it was a good week last week for mockery after Kazakhstan 
announced that Sasha Baron Cohen's Borat character has actually made the country a tourist mecca, despite his portrayal of the country as backward and anti-Semitic. After the film came out, said Foreign Minister Yezan Kazikanov, the number of visas issued by Kazakhstan grew tenfold. By the way, I must confess there's a huge disagreement over Sasha Baron Cohen among <laughs> Radio Parallax producers. Mr. Millen thinks he's the funniest person ever. I think he's funny on occasion and other times should be beaten senseless. That, of course, is an opinion that Mr. McMillan reserves for the host of the show. All right, it was a bad week this last week for technicalities after a Romanian traffic officer pulled over a completely naked woman riding on the back of a motorcycle and ticketed her for the only violation under his authority, failing to wear a helmet. And apparently the motorcycle, still bearing a naked woman on the back, subsequently roared off. And it was an ugly week last week for national security in the wake of a four-year-old Montana girl being subjected to a full body pat-down by TSA officials when she hugged her grandmother after passing through airport security. The girl's mother, Michelle Bredemeyer, said screeners coldly treated her daughter, Isabella, like a tool in a terrorist plot, suggesting her grandma may have slipped her a gun. One agent justified searching Isabella by saying she'd once seen a gun in a teddy bear. I'll say one thing. I'm glad Khalid Sheikh Mohammed's in custody. And it's probably a bit of good, a little bit of bad, and a little bit of ugly that uh, Barack Obama went to Afghanistan this week on a surprise visit to apparently finalize an agreement that commits the U.S. to defending Afghanistan for at least 10 years after our 2014 withdrawal of forces. Yes, we're withdrawing in 2014 after electing Barack Obama in November of 2008 to end these wars and bring our troops home. 2014. All right, and from the bottom line section of the Week magazine, we would note that the New York Times has pointed out that travel agents may be making a comeback. Though the number of travel agencies has plummeted from 34,000 in the mid-90s to about 15,000 today, their business is now growing as travelers seek personalized recommendations. Agencies post their second consecutive year of growth in 2011 and now account for a third of the $284 billion U.S. travel market. Of course, we'll be talking more about that in segment three. And you know, we think The Week magazine is, is really a wonderful addition uh, to this program. But sometimes I just don't know what to make of there. It must be true. I read it in the tabloid section. As you all know, I think sometimes tabloids get the stories quite correctly. Not that they're in general reliable, but sometimes they get it right. But I don't know what to make of this story, which is that a national cable network is unveiling a new channel of programming exclusively for dogs. Dog TV features footage shot from a dog's perspective, often of other dogs running and playing, accompanied by sound effects and music designed to keep dogs stimulated while their owners are out of the house. Dog owner Maria Catania, says the article, notes that her bulldog, Blue, finds the programming so exciting that he'll jump on the TV console and try and get into the television. She says she now feels less guilty about leaving him alone. Anything that makes him happy makes me happy, said she. 
Now, we admit, we don't have any evidence that this is in the book of Revelations as one sign of the coming apocalypse, but please, if you are a religious scholar, <laughs> please send us an opinion on that one. And I just have to quote from this one. This is a piece uh, from Bloomberg Businessweek, repeatedly a reputable uh, publication by a man named Paul Douglas, who said the following, I'm a free market Republican and practicing Christian, but I no longer believe global warming is a hoax. Yeah, stop the presses. We found a free market Republican and practicing Christian who believes that the earth is round. Noted Mr. Douglas, many of my fellow Republicans have convinced themselves that climate change is a ruse cooked up by Al Gore and liberal academics. But as a professional meteorologist, I've been tracking weather patterns for more than 30 years. And despite my initial skepticism of climate change theory, I've seen too much evidence to deny it. He goes on, the weather is becoming more extreme and erratic and storms more frequent and intense. The last decade was the warmest on record and included nine of the 10 hottest years. Great Lakes peak ice has seen a 71% drop since 1973. Winters are shorter and plants and animals are moving north. The reason is obvious. Carbon dioxide levels are higher than at any time in 800,000 years and simple science shows that CO2 traps heat in the atmosphere. Boy, not only that, water runs downhill. I don't know. I guess, I guess we should applaud the fact this guy's writing in Bloomberg Business Week and they're giving him a forum. When he says things like conservatives believe that actions have consequences while well, we're releasing 30 billion tons of carbon dioxide into the air every year, it's sheer lunacy to pretend that that has no consequences. Well, here, here. All right, we've got a couple uh, moments left in this second segment. Let's talk about something very curious that happened uh, last week, which is a rather sizable meteor plunging through space and exploding over Northern California. Made a pretty big bang, woke people up, rattled windows over in uh, the area around um, Murphy's in the Sierra Foothills. At least I, I sent an email to a the friend down there and said that, yeah, he, he didn't hear it, but his wife sure did. This was a biggie. The, the reports are that this may have been the kind of uh, event that happens about once a year on Earth, a minivan-sized object smashing into the atmosphere and exploding. And uh, unfortunately, yours truly was a bit too tied up with events in the last two weeks to go up there and, uh, and look around. But they have found some pieces of this object, and curiously, it is the rarest type of meteorite, a carbonaceous chondrite. Such a material has the consistency and weight of like basically a charcoal briquette. It's, it's black, it is carbon, and uh, it's, you're not going to be able to find one using a metal detector. You've got to look down and spot this black object and pick it up. Apparently, uh, meteorite hunter Robert Ward was photographed with a couple chunks that he found near Coloma, the gold discovery site on the American River. It was captured photographically and by using the, the photographs and uh, some of the Doppler radar-type evidence, uh, these guys are able to, uh, to determine where... The pieces are most likely to be found. In fact, the Sacramento Bee quoted Robert Ward as saying, uh, when I found this, I instantly knew it was a CM2, carbonaceous chondrite, one of the rarest meteorites there is. It's overwhelming. Pretty cool. We hope the Earth does not get struck by something a lot larger than a minivan. Of course, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. We're still planning to speak with 
astronaut Rusty Schweikert about his efforts to avoid potential catastrophe in that area. But uh, we have not yet made arrangements, but uh, we hope to have him on sometime next month. All right, we've got a few minutes left in this first segment. I hope some of you caught the Frontline Money, Power, and Wall Street special they had on uh, this last week. Pretty riveting television. The punchline of which was that almost four years after the near collapse of the global financial system, comprehensive regulatory reform remains elusive. I was somewhat not surprised to learn that Goldman Sachs uh, evidently had a hand in some of the chicanery going on over in Europe with Greece getting big loans. Uh, uh, (laughs) This program explained how these Wall Street weasels look for places that are in financial trouble and then show up to solve their problems by selling them financial instruments that, well, no one seems to understand. And perhaps not surprisingly, sometimes cause people to lose great fortunes. In doing all of this, Goldman Sachs seems to just be minting money. It's clearly not a coincidence, and, uh, well, the bad news is that Goldman Sachs pretty much appears to be the Obama administration, at least when it comes to financial uh, matters. We spent an awful lot of time in this program poking fun at Republicans, but uh, this is one where the, the Democrats appear to have a bit of a black eye. They are more closely associated with this firm than the GOP. Of course, you know Goldman has his bets covered either way. So the folks out there taking part in Occupy Wall Street, uh, well, you guys are on to something. Now, please come up with a, a wish list of things you'd like to accomplish and start working toward those. Because although I certainly join in your indignation, it'd be better to have a plan of some sort. Be something you can hang your hat on. All right, final piece. We're looking forward in the weeks to come to talk with uh, Bee writer Tom Knudsen about his excellent piece, which was in the Sacramento Bee on the 30th of April, about how our um, coyote killing strategy is upsetting the ecological balance in the West. Turns out that for decades now, the Wildlife Service, which is part of the U.S. Department of Agriculture, has specialized in trapping, poisoning, and shooting predators in large numbers, supposedly to protect livestock and, more recently, big game. It's a heck of a piece by Tom Knudsen and just raises some very disturbing questions as to why in God's name are we killing a lot of these animals intentionally. My eye was drawn to the graph that showed that um, among the animals killed intentionally by the Wildlife Service were 94,000 coyotes, 26,000 wild pigs, but 16,000 beaver? They're intentionally killing beaver. Raccoons, 7,200. Bobcats, bobcats. They intentionally killed 3,900 bobcats. Of course, what I really like is that they have intentionally killed 7,000 raccoons and they have unintentionally killed 1,024 raccoons. Gentlemen, I I wish you'd make your mind up on this one. They've also killed 782 porcupines, which there was an article in the Bee a few months ago about how porcupines need to be disappearing out in the West. Well, maybe it's the neck snares. They've unintentionally killed 548 badgers. And uh, despite all this effort to wipe out predators in order to let the deer population grow, they've unintentionally killed 541 deer with neck snares. We got to talk about this. 
they kill off the predators, and next thing you know, rabbits multiply and eat up all of the uh, the grass that they were trying to uh, to leave for species like deer and, of course, the, the grazing animals that uh, ranchers rent the uh, the land to graze on from the government for, I think it was like the entire amount taken by the, uh, the federal government for all of the rents for all the grazing land was like $30 million. Yeah, about, about, the si- about the cost of a, a moderate skyscraper, I think. Anyway, we will talk about that. Uh, wonderful piece by Tom Knudsen. You should read it if you haven't, and hopefully we'll bring him on this program to discuss it. But let's take a short break. I'm Douglas Everett. You're listening to Radio Parallax. When we come back, we'll be speaking with Cosmo Garvin of the Sacramento News and Review about sprawl. Don't go away. 